Hello everyone and welcome to the next in my series of Mindful Meets and today I'm delighted to welcome Dina Morris who according to her blurb that she's provided to me is a menopause yoga teacher, a therapist and a pro-aging champion. I think we all need a bit of that. Um, but let me not talk too much about Dina. Instead, I will introduce her to you and she can give you a little introduction as to what she is all about. Dina, you are very welcome. Thank you, Laurie. Um, it's lovely to join you on your podcast. Um, so, yes, you asked me to give you a little bit of an introduction. Please do. Who I am and how I come to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, well, in the, I used to work in a university. So in the true kind of um, style of an academic, I'm just going to tell you how I got here and then what I do. Yes, do So that. the background is I was trained as a journalist. I worked in PR. I worked for a long time with a university, which is why I put this like, do it like an academic mindset. And um, during that time, I was managing a comms department with a reasonably large team. And as I was sailing through menopause, I was noticing I was getting hot. Coffee was no longer my best friend. My forehead would go bright red. I would pour with sweat and I go, hmm, hot flush. And I thought that was all that menopause was about. Menopause has a myriad of symptoms and I was completely unaware of that. So as I became more stressed, more anxious, more reactive to what was going on around me, more irritated by what I can look back now and think, oh, why was that so meaningful to me at that time? Mm. This is all about hormones changing and moving, and I was completely unaware of it. Mm. As um, by nature, I was always somebody who got a lot of satisfaction from work. So I would just keep working and working in order to make myself feel better. Yes. And managed to just crash. So crashing emotionally, physically, mentally, I was, you know, I was putting in some 45, 50, 60 hour weeks at that mm, point. That's mm. how desperate I was to feel better. Mm. And of course, all I was doing was running myself into the ground. After I kind of recovered from this super crash, I had a big think about what I was doing with my life and what was actually working for me and what wasn't. And what I was doing naturally and instinctively is what we help women avoid <clears throat> so what I'd done was I pushed myself to a crisis mm. and in order to break through I'd made sure I'd had a pretty spectacular breakdown my role as a menopause yoga teacher is to help women through this process mm. without the big catastrophe because it's not necessary you know, I mean, our hormones are changing. There's a lot going on and a lot of symptoms that we put down to us not performing like we used to do. It's because we are changing physically. We do not have control over this, even though we will by nature want to control absolutely everything in and around us. Menopause yoga is about the physical aspects of yoga. It's also about the breathing and the meditation work 
that we can do to calm ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. But it's also about coming together with other women who are on the same journey as you mm. because another aspect of menopause is it can feel very isolating mm. you can be the only person at work feeling like you're having hot flushes and everybody can see that something is going on with you yes and it's not always an easy thing to talk about is it and I think and I think often with members of the opposite sex not right to generalise, but I have experienced quite flippant comments, you know, oh, hot flush, is it love, you know, and that and that kind of thing. And I think it can be very easily dismissed. And that sense of not wanting to share how you're feeling and feeling like you ought to hide it or you or you hope that it's not showing, I'm sure just adds to the anxiety and adds to the stress of 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 those physical symptoms, makes it makes it as much a psychological issue doesn't it as well absolutely right so it's kind of like it's building itself yeah. up you know yeah. so you're not feeling great you're also living in a culture where aging is not celebrated mm. as a path to wisdom and joy do you not think we're getting a little bit better about that I think we are in our own little micro bubbles, yes, because as you you know and I know, Laurie, we are we are a reflection of the people that we are surrounded by. But it doesn't mean that we don't live. If you pick up a women's magazine and you look at um, those women's faces in that magazine, so like something like Vogue or Tatler, how many of those women? are looking like their authentic selves. Mm. You know, we're trained from a very early age to believe that our hair isn't the right color, our eyebrows aren't the right thickness. We then get to a point where maybe we need a little bit of this and we need a little bit of that. And it's, it's been endemic in our culture for millennia, this changing how we look in order to look different from how we are. But there's a been a big pressure for us to look younger than we are and I don't think that's healthy and hence why the plastic surgery in industry is so is so huge and I suppose because we are we are exposed increasingly to pictures of celebrities particularly in the states I think where the whole plastic surgery thing seems to be rife um, you know we all know because you and I met on Instagram didn't we we sort of found each other Mm. and connected that way we all know that if you choose to find those accounts there are accounts of women who are probably half my age probably 30s and have already had plastic surgery because there's a sense of them needing to conform needing to look like a certain stereotype in order to be accepted in order to be comfortable in order to I suppose quieten the voices in their heads that that say oh in order to be validated I suppose I need to look a certain way um and 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 I I don't I don't quite know what we do about trying to celebrate the fact that we have wrinkles the fact that we don't need to wear makeup every day the fact that we are getting old and things drop and things are a little bit wobblier and a bit baggier and and that's 
And that's okay, because that's the outer shell that we are in. But actually, what's inside us and what we're able to give and bring people is what's important, you know, and I suppose, maybe we have to start with our own bubble and hope that it permeates out. What do you think? I think you're right. I mean, beauty is an inside out job. And beauty is not about external appearance. And the reason why we are told that it is, is because there's lots of people out there who can sell us something, you know, Mm -hmm. that um, may or may not contribute to that. Mm -hmm. So, and just thinking about who's making the money there, Mm -hmm. you know, is it other women who's actually raking in? the money mm. not that I'm making this about a, a war between genders no but no no I, just I think know, it's interesting it's, yeah but it is interesting because you and I work a lot with people's sense of self mm. women's sense of who they are their self-esteem their confidence and body image plays a massive part in in that and in my work I have to do a lot of work in 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 this in this area to try and encourage women not to diet not to seek being thinner than they actually naturally should be because that's just so difficult to sustain and it's and 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 not trying to create a body for um, that that looks a certain way for all the wrong reasons mm-hmm. um, and and so i was i was also quite interested to read Dina that you talk about the harnessing the power of the subconscious um, and and I think this idea of of working on the inside and trying to really be quite robust inside ourselves so that the external stuff doesn't matter as much I mean obviously we all like to look look nice we go to the hairdresser we wear mascara when we go out of course we do but there's a balance isn't there so I was quite interested just to explore with you this idea about how we can harness our subconscious um, to actually break through the beliefs that limit us and might self-sabotage us so that we can feel more full and more robust in ourselves in you know little me and I'm enough sort of thing well interesting that you should say little me um because I'll explain and and I say that there's a little voice from the subconscious because I'll explain what's at the center of a lot of the work of the one-to-one work that I do with women as a therapist um we are how do I explain this we change through our life okay so there's the person that we are now there's the person that we are when we were 30. There's the person that we were as a teenager. There's the person that we were when we were, you know, five, six years old. A lot of the work that I do with women who are struggling to look after themselves as an adult and are invariably, I, I find, um, bat- you know, they've gone into bat as an adult without all the armor and equipment that other people necessarily got growing up. So this may be from not necessarily um, willfully bad parenting, 
But there was a lot of people of our parents' generations who were having kids because everybody thought it was a good thing to do, because their neighbours did it, because their brothers and sisters did it, because their parents told them that was what they should be doing. It wasn't necessarily coming from the place of, I want to have a family, I want to nurture and love a child, and mm -hmm. I feel like an adult myself. And I'm so, ready to do that. And I'm ready. So a lot of people um, have grown up with parents who could do with a bit of growing up themselves. And so consequently, as they become adults, they're very good at looking after other people, very good at putting other people first, very bad at looking after their own needs and interests. A lot of the work that I do is like working with women to really connect with who they were as a little girl. How thinking about that child. Yes. Feeling strongly connected to her as if she is with you now, because we are a facsimile, you know, we are made up of all the people that we have been, but really connecting with the little girl and focusing on asking, is this good enough for little Laurie, little Dina, little Joanna, whoever? Would I put a child through this? Would I, would I, you know, would I eat this? Would I consider this nurturing food for a child? Because mm -hmm. if it's not good enough for a little girl, why is it all right for you? That is so incredibly powerful. Thank you for that. And I, and I think that's, I can see how beneficial that, that tool is. And it brings to mind that sometimes I have conversations with clients who are really being very, very down on themselves, very harsh, very unforgiving of their behavior around food usually because you know that's where I work um and my question to them is often would you talk to a friend like this would you be so uncompassionate and so and and so lacking in patience and understanding with someone else but I think to refer that to oneself as a as a child I think is incredibly powerful that quite took my breath away when you were talking about it's really it. I, mean, I, I work with um women in hit in hit with within hypnotherapy context so you are um, we go hypnotherapy has this rep of being like stage shows and it's nothing like that it's really about getting deep within yourself and connecting to your emotions and once you've closed your eyes for a start you know your that stimulus is going so you can get really quite connected to yourself and in, in really like trances and trances mm. available to just about everybody really mm. but it's really powerful because you feel that connection you know you you thinking about mistreating a child particularly resonates with children with women mm. because you know we are we are nurturers mm. And I can see how how these areas of your work are very beneficial, aren't they, to each other? And so, when people come to you, Dina, what sort of 
what sort of struggles or challenges do they have if indeed they're even they're even able to articulate those perhaps they just don't quite feel right and and you help them unpick that tell us a little bit about that quite often they said quite often um they are self-medicating in some way because they are failing to put their emotional needs first Mm -hmm. in relationships in work contexts Mm -hmm. and you know self-medicating with food is quite with super common very common and I you know during the current pandemic situations you can see how people's behaviors around food are just being triggered Mm. constantly I mean and just look at you know you only have to mention that there might be a shortage of petrol and people go berserk and like you know the woman at Marks and Spencer's was telling me how on the till was telling me how somebody filled up their car and then 10 cans of petrol Mm. we were just thinking that sounds quite dangerous to be storing that in your garage. I don't even know if it's legal. Um, but people behave very strangely mm. when there's any kind of um, feeling of lack going on. And so yes. it will trigger behaviours from being younger or certainly exasperate behaviours that you've got of helping yourself feel better. Mm. rather than going back and looking about looking at where that all started and actually is a is it a is it a rational way of dealing with a problem because mm. I would suggest it's not mm. um, it's only ever a sticking plaster on top of probably something that's quite deep-rooted yeah so my work is going with them to look at where this all began Mm. and whether that scenario is actually relevant to the person that they are today, whether they can think about letting go of some of that hurt and pain and healing themselves. Mm. Because the reality is that, you know, I don't fix people, people fix themselves. I potter along with them on the journey and, and sort of open up doors and go, this looks interesting. Are we ready to go and have a look in here? I've got my torch. Let's shine a bit of light. Um, but we do it together. And the work comes from you. It doesn't yes. come from me. I'm, I'm just enabling you to heal yourself. Yes. But that's the magic of it because it's incredibly empowering. Having these light bulb moments of, oh my God, it's not me, it was them. I was never responsible for this. Mm -hmm. I took on that responsibility and I've been carrying it, but it's not mine. Mm. And so that's the magic of what I do. No, no, and it's it's like throwing off shackles, isn't it? It's like like saying, I don't have to to use this behaviour to manage or to treat this emotion because because I've now unpicked this emotion and actually it either doesn't need any treatment or it needs a different kind of treatment. And actually the one that I've been giving it has not been helping at all. It's been totally inappropriate, but it's been something that, that either was done for me because I, I, I have lots of um, chats with people about the fact that they were, 
they were consoled with food when they were younger, mm -hmm. that it was very much a, a treat mechanism. I mean, I had a, a wonderful Irish grandmother who had a larder. I can see it now. I can open that. She had a larder full of boxes of of tuck, you know, as we used to call it. So, you know, Mars bars, where Mars bars were proper Mars bars, good because they're tiny these days. I mean, they were great big, fat, solid lumps of chocolate. She used to have sweets upon sweets. And if we fell over, we were given chocolate. If we were, if we had a good result at school, we were given chocolate. If the sun was shining, we were given chocolate. If it was raining, we were given chocolate, you know. And I think there are lots of people, aren't there, who are who are brought up with a feeding love language, particularly if you had grandparents who lived through the war where food was so scarce mm. that when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, food was suddenly comparatively abundant and therefore to feed your family was all about showing love and you know you didn't want your grandchildren to ever, ever be hungry. So I think I think um I think those that relationship with food for some people that perhaps have a predisposition predisposition to have a dependency on some kind of um, treatment for emotions. And of course, those emotions might be positive as well, will turn to food because that's what they've what they've learned. Because mm. it's not always a negative thing, is it? You know, sometimes people have a fantastic day and they want to celebrate something or they've had a really good event in their life and what they turn to is is overeating and drinking you know so yeah. it's not so culturally so we don't want to say it's, that it's always negative but but of course the end result if one's trying to manage eating behavior and perhaps manage weight it's it's you know it has a negative um spin-off but but I think I was rambling a bit there, but I think the point is that, and this is why I love you, the, the point is that we, that we both want to set people up for their own success and to find their own success and to find their own good, strong, resilient, comfortable place on their own and then watch them fly. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. is such a fantastic feeling, isn't it? And I think midlife is the, you know, we were saying mm, midlife, when is it? I think, yes, you know, you know. anywhere between 40 and 60, but definitely within the sort of menopause yeah, space. Yeah. I mean, yeah. menopause, you've got your perimenopause where your hormones are starting to like do something. Menopause itself and then postmenopause. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your hormones don't get to postmenopause and then go like, well, we're just going to stop here. You know, you're constantly in the state of flux and this shift is a time where you start thinking you know what? I just need to get a handle on some of this stuff because you'll recognize the patterns mm -hmm. when you've been round the merry-go-round often enough you're you know for me it was difficult men at work yeah. were a big problem for me because they reminded me of my dad and my dad was my dad had a lot of issues that he did not deal with like a grown up. And so consequently, any big angry man at work, just, I just couldn't handle it. And when I got to menopause, that really wasn't going to work mm. because my, my hormones were all over the place. So it was like trying to go through puberty backwards and deal with something that was deeply triggering for me. Yes. If I'd known that, 
I might not have resigned from that job in a well, just can't do this. And mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the that's a big problem for society that women are leaving high pressure jobs because they just cannot deal with the crap for want of a better word anymore. You just perceive it as an absolute nonsense and you're perfectly capable of setting up your own business and making a living for yourself. So it's society that suffers Mm. because they're losing that feminine energy within corporate contexts. Yes, yes. Which I think is another problem. So I would love to see more understanding in HR departments Mm. of the support that women need between 40 and 60 and some kind of educational conversation Mm. with those women. I mean, menopause yoga is about looking at three areas. Um, The area where you feel that you can't move because you just feel stuck and you're so tired all the time. For some women, that's their experience. Some women um, get very anxious and stress about the future, stress about everything. And some women are absolutely furious about absolutely everything. Mm. And some of us are a heady mixture of all three. I was going to say, I bet (laughs) it's not uncommon to fluctuate hugely. Of course, of course. And so the physical um, yoga that we do is around recognizing that in your body and your mind and your emotions and knowing what it is and that you are, you know, it's not your fault because Mm. we are fabulous self-blamers for everything. Mm. It's just like, Mm. it's my fault. I can't cope. There's something wrong with me. That is not true. You are going through a life change Mm. and you have the power to help yourself Mm. all I do is help women learn how to do that for themselves physically emotionally and mentally but also offer some guidance on where they can get further support if they're interested in HRT if they want to learn more about what vitamins and nutrition their body if they were eating like a grown-up would really quite like right now Mm. um so yeah that's part of it as well it's very holistic approach Mm. but it it sits very nicely with the therapeutic work that I trained in because I just didn't want other women to have to go through the experience that I did and I see you know I hear these stories over and over again I don't know if you saw the menopause documentary that um, was out over the summer I'm now going to forget her name in a brain fog moment. Um, and if we were Davina on TV, McCall. Davina McCall. Davina, yeah, Davina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was Channel 4. But she interviewed um, a number of high profile women, including Baroness Dorsey, who I've, I've had some, some work experience with in that she was connected with the university I worked with. So I've known her has always been this very strong, powerful, you know, a a a band woman, um, and she was talking about brain fog and standing up in the House of Lords and just forgetting what she mm. wanted to say. Mm. And yet, 
oh, it's normal. Mm. You know, I see women freaking out about brain fog. Mm. You know, I was talking to somebody who I'm seeing as a client only the other day, and she was saying, always happens when I'm stood up in a context of giving a presentation, I will just forget a word like community. You're like, yeah, it's absolutely normal. Yeah. So and I've, it happens to everyone and it's got nothing to do with intellect at all. No. And it's, and it's, it's a funny thing. It's almost like I feel like somebody's put a very heavy blanket over my head. You know, it, like um, a very thick grey woolen sort of army issue type, <laughs> type blanket. And my brain just doesn't want to function through it and it can come and go during a day can't it you know, it's not I mean I don't have as much now because I'm you know out the other side of it really but 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 I still do get get some and it's and I was thinking about what you were saying about what it felt like and there could be some women listening who might be in their early to mid 40s and they might just be starting to feel slightly peculiar and they might be thinking, oh, I'm, you know, am I really losing it? You know, what's quite happening? And it could be the early stages, couldn't it, of that perimenopausal change Absolutely. that starts to happen, which I think is very disconcerting, particularly if we have an expectation that, it, that menopause doesn't start until your early 50s or whatever time. We know that it can happen really across a number of years, can't it, in in individuals oh, oh yeah I mean I look back and I think oh I remember like gaps in my eyebrow appearing in my 30s you know and I must have been under 35 because I was still living in Edinburgh and buying eyebrow filler yeah I was losing losing hair but you know my hair was changing mm. back in my early 30s mm. so I'm not suggesting that that's common or I just happened to you know notice that there were changes and for me hair change you know I don't have any hairs on my arms anymore um, but this is all to do with estrogen changing and I used to I've never been you know I've never had some women get more hair yes, yes. and uh, that's yes. that's not my experience mm. my mind's mm. waving goodbye faster mm. mm. than I would like Really, but you know, eyebrows are not the end of the world, are they? No, not really. Um, but yes, everybody is different. The average age for menopause is 51, but that is average. Mm. So it tends to be genetic. So if your mother is, you are connected to your birth mother, or your birth mother can remember when her menopause started, it's always worth asking. But my mother's experience of menopause was very different from mine. So it, it doesn't mean to say you're not a facsimile of your mother. That's the mm -hmm. other thing to bear in mind. You know, there were other people involved in, <laughs> yes. in your genetic makeup. Exactly. So yeah. don't yeah. expect it to be exactly the same, but it's worth asking. But yeah. yes, perimenopause can start early 40s, average, but could be starting in your 30s. Mm -hmm. And going back to that point that you made around 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 blame and feeling useless, we should we should stand back and say, 
how am I feeling? Is it because I'm working too hard? Is it because I'm not eating very well? Is it because I'm not sleeping very well? Is there something else going on? Do I need to go and have, have a check, have a chat, maybe start doing something that's going to relax my mind like yoga, but to sort of understand what's, what's, what's going on in my body and, and be more connected. Because I think as young women, we're not, we're not as connected as we as we are when we're older, because it starts to matter more because we start thinking, oh, crikey, you know, <laughs> I think I probably need to need to be eating better or I need to be looking after myself. I need to be less complacent about how I how I treat myself. Um, and I think if that can start a little bit earlier, perhaps we are more in tune with how we feel and how those changes happen. And we can perhaps recognize them and we can respond to them in a more intelligent and pragmatic way. Yeah, I mean, clearly we can wing it in our 20s, yeah. aren't we? You know, yeah. I mean, I would... Hit, you I know, can imagine I hold you my hand up winging like, it as, in your 20s. As the, as, the, as the work addict, um, you know, I could pull all-nighters, Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and still be there the next morning going, oh, yes, I've been here all night. Mm. Um, you know, but um, can't do that now, clearly. Mm. And mm. the priority for me prioritizing rest and sleep is so important because mm. I will naturally try and skimp on those mm. if I can mm. but I'm better at saying right okay we're recognizing the signs you're eating because you're tired you mm. need to go and have a lie down yes go and sleep instead yes come yes. on little Dina you need a nap yes yes um so actually I think that a lot of what we do is about awareness, isn't it? And trying to yeah. shift that awareness 10, 15, even 20 years earlier. I mean, if Absolutely. I fixed my eating 20 years earlier, I'd have been doing this for longer, probably. I don't really know, but it would have been 20 years less of disordered eating, which would have been nice, comfortable, certainly more comfortable than the time that I had. And I think if we can try and just try and help that um yeah that 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 awareness and that and that mindfulness in women generally earlier to be more aware and and also have a sense that that to sort of come full circle that actually so much of the power is within us if we know how to tap into it if we understand it yeah emotions we're not taught at a young age to recognize them for what they are we think they are the be all and end all and we should react to them whereas they're just little flags saying yeah this is good or hmm we're feeling a bit uncomfortable why is that yes. and that ability to step back mm. and analyze have that dialogue yeah before yeah. you know you've just inhaled half the contents of the fridge that's the work you know for yeah. a lot of people yeah yeah and and it but it's the other thing to say is it's it's a journey you know it does not happen overnight and it's the patience with yourself mm. that uh, I, mean, I am not by nature a particularly patient person so patience with myself i'm very good at helping other people well, well you know we're all work in progress aren't we and that's beautiful. yes Yes, I think patience and also compassion. Yes. You know, as we said, as if you're a child, as if you are someone else, just to be kind. Um, I mean, I'm doing some work on psychological interventions 
to do with eating disordered uh, disorders and there's so much in it around self-care and gratitude and mindfulness and kindness and compassion and positive self-talk talk and all of that which is which 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 underpins any behavioral change that you need to go through to to try and um to try and behave in a different way to have a more positive way of living in a in in any circumstance really not not just around around food um so so if someone is feeling so i've got someone listening we've got someone listening now who is in the depths of menopause and feeling pretty useless feeling very uncomfortable feeling rubbish not knowing when it's going to end what might you suggest for them what might you say to them to help them I would suggest that they educate themselves around the process that they're experiencing so looking at some good sound websites with some advice so they can look and I find reading around the subject, you can go, right, okay, you know, this is not just happening to me. I would advise talking to their doctor, but going to see their doctor, having read up on the subject and what they think they might want and what they think they don't want. Mm -hmm. Because we all know that doctors have about seven minutes to have a conversation with us. So it really helps if you can go in there with some idea of what you want. There's some good websites like menopausesupport.co.uk. And we'll put these in the blurb so that people can, can access them when they... Brilliant. When they and um, menopausedoctor.co.uk. And that's Dr. Louise Newson's website. She's well known as a menopause expert. There's lots of conversations with her on mm. Instagram and Facebook um, so getting your head around what's happening for you understanding that it's just like puberty mm. except it's going the other way mm. and on the other side of menopause which is tiring and is a big change for your body just like menopause was there is a whole space of exploration to grasp life and really enjoy all that wisdom that you've accumulated mm. in menopause yoga we draw from the chinese and japanese attitudes to aging which are very different from this western american perception of our value in our culture and women in their later years are really revered and respected because they come to a conversation with lots of wisdom lots of knowledge lots of understanding of how to nurture and also an understanding of the world around them so this is a time where you may not you know you'll have maybe stopped bringing up children or you've maybe taken a step back from pushing in your career and thinking about you know training for this and training for that you can start to think about what's really important to you, for you. Mm. And that might be a cause. That might be 
maybe exploring something that you were interested in when you were younger, but you got chiffed into a different kind of career because you were pleasing other people, you weren't pleasing yourself. Mm. So menopause isn't the end of something, it's the beginning of something else. And that is something that I would be stressing. I love you know, that, yes. yes you're you're in a state, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's like being on the sea, you know, the waves are coming up and down, but you're going to get to the shore, you're going to take a nice deep breath, lie there, absorb some of that sun, get plenty of vitamin D because you really need that for your bones. And then you're going to go off exploring again and enjoy what we call a second spring. So yes. it's like being a girl again. You know, you've got all that fun, all that excitement ahead of you. And that freedom yeah. of not being shackled to a monthly cycle. Thank you very much. You know, all <laughs> that and sort of letting yes. go of all that up and down and and finding that equilibrium and that and that balance and that stability that comes when ladies you do eventually get to the other side I promise you absolutely do you do and and yeah I mean it doesn't have I I was I remember explaining to somebody it's like yeah that cycle it doesn't just stop you don't just flatline you do notice that you know your moods will go up yes yes it's not as dramatic Yeah. And it, before you know it, it's like the girl from Ipanema is playing in the background and everything's nice, cool and relaxed. And you see, if I'd been on the ball and I'd known that you were going to say that, I would now have it playing. Great tune, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And if somebody then, Dina, wants to join you for menopausal yoga or wants to come to you as a therapist, um, where can they find you? How can they find you? Right. Well, for menopause yoga, mm. I'm teaching a workshop actually this month um, on the 23rd of October here in sunny Eastbourne. Because you live on the coast, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yes. I moved away from Manchester and we moved to live by the sea because that's what we decided we wanted for ourselves. Mm. Turned out to be, and what I hadn't realised is living in a small town, everything's 20 minutes walk away. I'm not sat in a car on a motorway, staring at the back of another car, trying to get somewhere all the time. Another story. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I'm teaching a workshop with live people, real people. So that's face to face down in Eastbourne. Face to face down in Eastbourne on the 23rd, Saturday. Um, and then I teach online. So I teach um, by Zoom, regular classes, all that sort of information is on my website. Um, but if you want to connect me and ask, that's dina.morris at Instagram. That's easiest way to DM me because that just pings on my phone and I can pick up messages really quickly. Fantastic. And I'll um, put all of those links Brilliant. Thank you. Because Um, I find the therapy side of what I do works really well for women who want to iron out bigger issues that they know are repetitions of behaviors that have gone on through their past and are probably connected to what's happened to them when they're younger. So that's more one to one work, um, probably goes on over about three months um and again via zoom so as we're talking to each other now perfect good so lots of ways that they can tap into your your mindfulness your 
calm and your experience and I think I think the fact that you were driven to make these changes through your own experience has massive value to I'm sure many women who might be in a similar situation and sort of questioning them them themselves and how they're feeling and thinking well that's been absolutely wonderful to chat and thank you so much for sharing as I say all that wisdom and 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 I'm sure that our listeners will be interested in finding out more and I think the that what what really struck me was this idea that you're not alone that it's something that's being experienced and has been experienced a lot so it's just about to use that American expression the four tops reaching out isn't it and actually trying to get the support and work it through with someone whether it's on a yoga mat or it's through talking therapy of some sort and just just do it because then you can just feel so much better would you agree absolutely yeah and I think you know we we think oh it's me and there's that shame of not being you know we label it shame it's not to be shameful at all um but I certainly did you know I was just so I just felt so ashamed of what I saw as my lack mm. and that is not true that is so not true yes. it's the first time you tell someone that you're feeling something and they say oh I didn't feel that don't make that the last conversation that you have keep going because people will you know, you'll tell your best friend, maybe, you know, you'll steal yourself up, you'll sit there over that coffee, and then you'll say, oh, I'm having, I feel like this, I feel like that, and they'll go, oh, I just sell through menopause, and that friend isn't, doesn't realize the impact that they're having on you in a state of emotional stress, so just be aware, step back, just because somebody else feels something different doesn't mean that what you feel is wrong, it's just different. So yes, talk to people, find somebody who can help you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dina. It's been absolutely brilliant. And I will put all the details um, in the information on this podcast if you want to speak to Dina or to join her on the yoga mat, I would highly recommend it. Thank you so much. Thank you.